0: Okay, what's up, everybody? Luke Thomas here. Let's get this lighting a little bit better, right? There we go. Yeah, that's bright as fuck. All right. Hi, everybody. It's too bright. As a matter of fact, let's do this. It's a little humanizing. Here we are. Hi, everybody. Luke Thomas here. It is, let's see, uh, 1239 East Coast time. I am here in the bowels of the, uh, let's see, Madison Square Garden. UFC 230 has just finished. This will be my post-fight special for that. Um, because I'm on the road, I don't have all the same bells and whistles that I normally do, but we will make this work. We'll go for about 45 minutes or so discussing everything that just happened at UFC 230. So what I really would like you to do is give the video a like, subscribe below. If you don't want spoilers, though, now is your time to get away from that. So I want to get to spoilers in probably about five, four, three, two, one. Okay, if you're here... You don't mind spoilers. All right, let's get to everything we just saw. Jesus, this light is blinding the balls off of me. We get to it now. UFC 230 is in the books. A lot to get to uh with re- relation to the main event the co-main event I'm not going to go into every fight in great detail but certainly those and of course israel assigned it to me as a bit of the breakout star coming out of this uh and the post-fight press conference is actually going on just below me as you can see there are stations here for various media groups um and everyone else is downstairs i'm kind of up here doing my thing so um we'll be up here for their you know for next 45 or so and then and then i'll head downstairs and and that's that okay I don't have any figures yet on attendance i don't have any figures yet on gate i think attendance ended up being somewhat better than folks had expected i made this point in the days leading up to the fight if you looked at like StubHub or other places like that it was pretty clear that they had avoided the worst case scenario by booking this cormier and lewis fight you know there's a lot of problems with it whether the guys were healthy and um you know i thought Derek lewis was a deserving contender but you know putting it together short notice and uh, All the stuff with Sajara Eubanks and Valentina Shevchenko, like it just, you know, and Nate Diaz fell through and everything else. Um, But after they announced that Cormier-Lewis thing, if you waited a couple of weeks and then looked, there were still a lot of open tickets, but not nearly to the same degree as it was before. And it clearly made a pretty big impact in the end. Um, And I think you saw that here tonight. Crowd seemed pretty rowdy and, and up for what they got. All right, so let's get to some of these results in your main event. Daniel Cormier, the champ champ, defeats Derek Lewis at 214 of round two via submission, rear naked choke. There's not a ton to say about this. Uh, a couple things, though. Daniel Cormier becomes the first person to successfully defend two titles in two different weight classes. Joe Rogan had said it was both light heavyweight and heavyweight, and that's true, but it was it's not specific to those weight classes as I understand it. It's actually about any two-weight classes. Many guys, not many, but multiple guys have won it in two different weight classes. Uh, excuse me, at the same time that he holds the bell holder. Because I think, I think Couture was... Did he never defend heavyweight? Let me look at that. Let me make certain that that is an accurate stat. I got it from Fightmetric. And you heard it from them just now. Let me pull up his MMA record. Because I would like to see that. Certainly he defended light heavyweight. Did he never defend heavyweight? Um, let's pull this up. So, let's see. He won the heavyweight championship. He defended it in, against Pedro Hizo. Defended it against Pedro Hizo twice. Fought for the light heavyweight. Lost it. Won it. Lost it. Oh, I see. I guess he never defended light heavyweight because he got it, but it was an interim one. Anyway, whatever the case. Hold on. Let's see kind of want to make sure I get that right. Won the interim USC lightweight championship, won and unified it, lost it. So I guess they don't count it in that sense. In any case, to be able to do it at the same time where you're having both at the same time, certainly that's the most unusual part of it. And just a sort of a bit of a record there for Daniel Cormier. Frankly, a bit of an easy win, um, which I think many of us had kind of expected, but it, it lived up to that expectation pretty handle you know what's really interesting to me was he was getting these takedowns they were talking about the single legs and that that ankle pick man that ankle pick was just straight wrestling one-on-one bit of a he didn't do it straight from like a like you know wrestling where you're hunched over and you're reaching out and you're reaching out but it was the same thing collar tie as they come up you go for the ankle pick pull drive him back which is exactly what he did he got it it was pretty simple um he was doing a bit of a – he loves those treetop takedowns where he can grab the single, stay a distance, lift it up high, sweep the leg out, get on top. He makes these big men go crashing to the ground. It's pretty amazing in that regard. And then the thing that really stood out to me was if you, uh, if you go back, you know, people all say, oh, so-and-so has great wrestling. You know, so-and-so has great uh, jiu-jitsu. But they never really explain what that means. What Like, what does that mean? There's so many different elements to wrestling. There's so many different elements to to to, to jujitsu like what are you what are you specifically highlighting and courtney is good at a lot of different things but one thing he was really good at tonight was controlling like he not only was able to stay on top of and control Derek lewis when he wanted him to go to certain places he would take him proactively and then control how he moved in terms of just the speed like he was using the arm and then grabbing the hip so that when Derek Lewis tried to rotate. He would have to rotate kind of slowly, and he would control it. He would then pull you, and then he would control the speed at which he went, so that he would have all the other control points ready: knee on belly, hand on shoulder, wrist control, whatever it was, before you even had a chance to reset mentally about where you needed to be in that position, just miles ahead of uh, Derek Lewis in that regard, and and really, I think the rest of the heavyweight division. I don't know how Cain Velasquez would fare, but you get the idea. So you know, virtuoso performance and to do it with probably a busted hand and to do it so quickly and so you know, I won't say effortlessly, but pretty effortlessly was was pretty remarkable. In the end, he had the one hook, sank the uh, I think he had the one hook and then the gable grip, used that to drive in the other hook, put his hips down, kind of turned them on a the side a little bit. And then he never switched. He never went bicep grip to gable, which a lot of guys do. They'll they'll get the they'll go for the bicep grip. Someone will defend, then they'll slide down to the gable. And that's uh, not a proper gable. Obviously, I got the microphone here in my hand. But then they'll slide down to the gable. And and then they usually try to finish it off from there. He went right to the gable. And that was enough. That was enough. He got the job done. Pretty pretty remarkable stuff from him. So, yeah, the champ-champ continues. He wants uh, Brock Lesnar next. I hope he gets it. I hope it's a big fight for him. Um, obviously, you saw John Jones at the uh, presser on Friday, yesterday. Well, I guess now, technically it's Sunday, but saying that he doesn't deserve, Cormia doesn't deserve another shot, and Cormier is saying Jones doesn't deserve another shot. So they seem tired of each other, which I can understand, even if the fans aren't. So I guess we're not going to get that. Um, but, you know, I take my hat off to both competitors. Derek Lewis, I said this on Friday, and I meant it. I think he's already, I said on Thursday, I think. He's already kind of won. Like, all these guys you interview, and they all say the same thing. I only care about one thing. I want to be the best. This is my life. This is all I am. And you talk to to Lewis, and he never ever says that. He never ever says this is <clears throat> this is all that I am. This is all that I care about. He always says I care about being a family man. I don't really care about being the best fighter. I just want to provide and I want to be good and I want to do good. And he already has, man, with the Popeyes thing. I I, I already I've already he showed me his contract at media day, and. To get this opportunity he had told me he had guaranteed money for this fight you know it wasn't like a win uh bonus it was just a flat fee for i guess for filling in and being ready and um you know people love Derek lewison for very good reason he's very lovable uh but you know what daniel cormier is doing is just a different thing he's, he's out there really trying to create a legacy and he was also trying to look you know look for a good opportunity to make some extra cash obviously it's prize fighting no shame there but um but you know, just significantly more of a decorated competitor at this point. So, uh, impressive, impressive to say the least. If you have any questions, um, donate in the super chat below and I'll get to him at the end. That's the best way to do that. So yeah, there you go. There's your, uh, incredible, uh, Daniel Cormier performance, man. Just has takedowns for days. He controls where you go on the ground. He controls the speed of where you go on the ground. He controls how you roll. He gives you a choice. If you go this way, I have this attack. If you go that way, I have that attack. And uh, was all over Derek Lewis, like white on rice, man. And uh, easily, easily wins. How about this co-main event? Jesus Christ. Jacare Sosa defeating Chris Weidman at 246 of round three. Fuck, what a fight. All right. Let's work a little bit backwards. That stoppage by Dan Mergliata. Look, man, it's the same situation I run into every time with these scenarios, right? Like, that job is incredibly difficult. I saw some people suggest that maybe what Mergliata was doing was trying to give Weidman every opportunity in his hometown. Um, and, you know, that's human nature. I understand that. And I've, I've interacted with Big Dan a number of times. He couldn't be a nicer guy. But this is not a how nice is Big Dan contest. And this is not, you know, how nice can we be as a referee to the guy who really wants to win in that venue. That's, that's not relevant concerns when you're grading a stoppage um it can be if things work out people might like it in the end but it can backfire on you when you employ those kinds of tactics and I think it did I thought when Weidman hit the ground was it a right hand that was it that was it he crashed hard he crashed one of those weird ways almost like a mannequin falls and he kind of just looked uh he had a bad look on his face but he just could he was seeing through things not looking at them that he had Uh, you know, really suffered and, you know, Weidman, like the warrior that he is kept rolling or not kept rolling, but like after he he landed, you know, his body went into autopilot and he kept moving. And I I, I even asked him about getting that win or potential win here on Saturday. And he couldn't, I mean, he was so effusive with like hope and, and, and he really wanted it, man. Cause remember he was one and two in New York getting into this. If he had won that, that would have put him two and two. Cause if he had won this, it would have been this win. It would have been the Kelvin Gastelum win, and then we'd have the two losses, the Romero one and the Musasi one. But the Musasi one was somewhat controversial, obviously. So he could say, all right, the Romero one didn't go my way, but I was winning that Romero fight. The Musasi one was a bit of a, a weird one. Uh, got the Kelvin Gastelum win and could have gotten the Jacare win. It would have put him in a much better spot. Now he's one and three you know, inside the space here in New York. And I think it probably is uh, something that he's not going to be too, too, too happy with. And, and I think Dan was trying to do him a solid. I really do. But man, that's not what the rules call for. The rules call for what this person can no longer intelligently defend themselves. You have to stop. And the manner in which he fell, the biological uh, characteristics of it, and, um, and, the, and the other signals he was giving off that you knew once he crashed and he kind of looked through everything, that it was done. Credit to Jacques array for not just crushing the guy. That should have been a walk-off or a semi-walk-off KO for him. And it wasn't in the end, so I'm just trying to make sure everything looks good. And it wasn't in the end. And so, um, you know, I feel kind of bad for Jacare because he, he he first of all, Weidman deserved better. Number one, I, I tweeted that. Weidman absolutely deserved better. And Jacare deserved better. The, the sport deserved better than that. So I, I'm not one of these guys who's gonna sit here and say, oh, Big Dan's the worst human being on earth. But that was a real bad stoppage. That was a really, really bad stoppage. Now, as for the fight itself, Phenomenal, phenomenal fight. You had an All-American wrestler uh, and a jiu-jitsu black belt out there striking their asses off and doing a great job. So what was the story early? Early on, it was the jab of Chris Weidman. And he was consistent with it. He was moving behind it. He was staying in the range that he wanted to stay in. He was dictating when the offense began and when it ended. Really good stuff from him. It wasn't just that he would throw the one, then the two. He was kind of throwing the one, one leg attack. You know, one circle, one get out of the way, and then out of nowhere, then fire the straight, and then the one with the or excuse me, the three with the hook, and then he eventually found a way for the uppercuts to get involved. Like the jab was setting up everything. Now, what was Jacare doing? Jacare was trying to um, go to the body. Did great body work the entire fight. I wonder if that ended up setting up the hands um, uh, up top because of Wyman having to bring his hands down to cover for it. So in round two, Jacare was getting kind of, you know, the first round that, that jab was really working for Weidman. Round two, Jacare adjusted and realized if I stay in boxing range, I'm going to be in trouble this whole fight. So was either, you know, going, I forgot what a powerful kicker Jacare is. Powerful kicks, slamming into Weidman, man. Those must have been hard. And then tying up constantly from there, dirty boxing, throwing with the knees. And there was a struggle there. Weidman wasn't losing altogether in that space, but Um, You could tell what Jacare was doing was trying to avoid that, trying to stay out of boxing range because the boxing range, that jab was just causing him problems. So I thought it was a that was a nice adjustment in the second round. Third round, I have to say both guys showed incredible composure, took turns on offense. I just kind of thought in the end the reason why Jacare won was related more to the adjustments of the second round. Where you're making this chaotic. You're making you're make, you're not letting the guy just get in a rhythm and sit behind his jab. You're forcing him to retreat or come to you or just not stick to that more hand boxing range centric kind of game plan. And I thought the bodywork paid off. And in the end, he was just wide open for the shot, hit him upside the temple and he collapsed, as I mentioned. Man, it just shows you these guys are so incredibly talented. The things that they're known for, the things that brought them to this sport. Had virtually no relevance to it. There was that one takedown attempt where I think Weidman got it, and then Jacques rolled like, not a Granby roll, but like almost like a Peter, was it even a Peterson roll? I have to go back and watch, but he rolled like ass over tea kettle, threatened a knee bar, and Weidman had to retreat, and he gets to stand back up. They kind of neutralized each other there. Just a grown man performance from both of those guys in the end. Uh, You know, no shame really in the loss for Weidman, but you do have to wonder. What that might mean for his career. This takes him to a position here. Let's see if we can get an accurate look at his record here as I examine. So this puts him in a weird spot, right? Because this this means he's lost four of his last five. Wow, I didn't realize that shit. Um, man, I didn't realize that. Mm, that is bad. Um, he was the guy who had been spotlighted that in case something happens with... Um, Gastelum and Whitaker, that he would be the fill-in guy. It's got to be Adesanya now, which we'll get to in just a minute. But, um, man, what a performance for him. Fucking A. That was incredible for uh, Jacare. Um, where Wideman goes from here, I still think he can fight ranked opponents. I still think he can fight somebody good. I don't think this by any means uh, suggests he can't um, stay in in uh, in um, elite territory. But it's a it's a setback. It's a big one. He is... He is going to have to re- sort of reassess what happened here, how much damage he's taken over the course of his career. Um, and he's probably got a bit of a longer path back to the title. That division, and, and, and dude, middleweight is getting young. Gastelum in his 20s. Adesanya, 20s. Whitaker, 20s. Right? These guys in their 30s. Now, what, now Jacare is a bit of an exception here. Um, how old is Jared Cannonier? another guy who just had an incredible... Uh, debut. He's a little over two. He's thirty-four, but generally speaking, look at the top of that division. Your top three guys. Or you know, I don't know. is in the top three, but he looks like he might be on a rocket ship to the stars at this point. You can just see like mm, there is. I won't say the, the new generation is pushing them out altogether because that that narrative's not quite true, but it's not altogether false either. There is some of that happening. As for Jacare, man, what a hard earned win. No matter who won this contest. You know, when the third round started, you were like, I don't know which way this is going to go, but whoever is going to get it is going to have earned this one. What incredible ability to not even, like he didn't even use his ace in the hole. He worked on his striking and has been working on striking for a long time. Made an adjustment to get around it in the second round. And by the way, showing good trunk movement. Did you notice that? Good head movement from Array. Right? Not altogether working. Sometimes he was getting caught with it when Wyman was like really changing up the pace. Like he would just flash and touch, touch. That's a big Duke Rufus thing, the touch, touch, touch throw. I realize Wyman doesn't train with Duke Rufus, but he's he's known for that kind of instruction. And uh, anyway, I think he's showing a lot of new skills. But to me, just the ability to adjust these guys who can adjust and they have different places in the game they can go to and still find a way to win. That's really. That's the stuff, folks. That's really what this all comes down to. That's what this is all about. Um, and you got a lot of that. You got a lot of that from Jacare. I take my hat off to this guy. Have you guys never seen the video where Hondra Gracie breaks his arm? He's in this upside down arm bar, and they're in the gi. And uh, this is in the World Championships, you know, oh God, this point, what, 14 years ago or something like that? And if you've never seen it, it's an incredible piece of footage. Time is running out, and you see, you know, Hondra Gracie is a huge guy. And uh, you can see the arm just kind of go out, 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 out and break. And uh, Ray just lets it break. He just lets it break. And then clock runs out. And he's got one arm just dangling like Weekend at Bernie's. And he raises his other arm in triumph like that. I mean, are you shitting me? Like, you just don't know people like that. Incredible commitment. He When he gets tired, Ray has so much bearing. He just stays focused. He's like, yeah, he's breathing hard. <laughs> and he's struggling, and his nose is fucked up, and he's bleeding, but he stays committed, he stays composed. He might be tired, but he's composed. They're not the same thing. Fatigue and a lack of composure seem to be related. But there's this famous quote, right? Fatigue makes cowards of men. It's because when you get tired, your brain tells you to stop. Oh, stop, relax, don't do this. This is too much. He has turned off that switch. So when he gets tired, he doesn't feel that way. Amazing. Amazing win. So he is 2-2 two and two in his last four. Lost to Whitaker. Okay. Rebounded against Brunson. Lost to Gastelum, but that was very close. And now rebounded against Chris Weidman. So he's in a much better place. Uh, and Ray's old, man. Was he like 38 years old? I mean, I know it's not old, but like for an athlete and fighting, that's pretty old. Uh, what is he? 38 years old and he'll be 39 in December. Jacare is amazing. Jacare is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by that guy. Uh, he's been able to do pretty impressive things here in mixed martial arts, to put it mildly. Now I'm going to skip a couple of these because the star of the show, without a shadow of a doubt, is uh, well, Daniel Cormier certainly deserves his recognition, and we gave it to him. But we let me jump down, and we'll go to these other ones in a minute. Israel Adesanya. Hold on to your asses, folks, because that dude is on a rocket ship to the stars. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude, I am, I am telling you. I am telling you. Everyone's like, oh, I only felt this when Connor did it. I only felt this when Ronda did it. No. I've seen it a few times. Enjoy Israel Adesanya right now. Right now. Because winning titles in MMA is hard, and he might do it. Defending titles in MMA is even harder, and he might do it. This is not a proclamation about what he will or won't do about titles. What I know to be true, with with very limited exception, St. Pierre is an exception, John Jones is a bit of an exception, but even then, the John Jones thing, the minute you'll understand. Almost without exception, the most exciting time in a fighter's career is in the exact moment that Israel Adesanya is in right now. It is when they are murdering people on their way up. Now, some folks can get there late. And once they get those titles, they can do pretty incredible things. They can they can hold on to them for a long time like St. Pierre did or, um, you know, Connor jumped in weight classes. I had a bit of trouble since then, but that moment is a little bit different than the one I'm describing. But generally speaking, the most important moment in a fighter's career when they're just blowing your brains out is when they're doing what he's doing right now, which is when they're making you question The upper bound limit of what is possible. You're like, oh my God, how 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 far can he go? And it is so exciting, it is so novel, it is so interesting. And I think more to the point, the guy just gets better and better and better and better. His takedown defense was on point in this fight. Even if, even as he was losing a couple of underhook battles here or there. He was patient. He would then recapture him. He would get. He would usually have an overhook here on his left and then he would be going for wrist or bicep control on his right. He would be able to find it. He gets his back off the fence. How many times have I come on this goddamn channel? And I've told you, it's one thing to stop the shot. It's the other one to create separation to get your back off the fence to, to move. He's able to effectively do that. He wasn't even able to do that against Marvin Vittori as well. I mean, from the Marvin Vittori fight to now, or the Wilkinson fight to now, he has dramatically improved. And at first, he couldn't quite get his offense going because Derek Brunson was kind of all over him a little bit. But then he began to get separation, to get separation. And this guy can find the kill shot in a window this tiny. You're just going for a shot. He can bring his knees up. My God, this dude has everything. He's good on the microphone. He's got swag fucking coming out of his pores um deadly deadly finishing skills a commitment to getting better an understanding of the fight game and uh, an understanding of self and and limitless ambition dude he I'm telling you i don't know how far he can go but it looks like he's going to go real goddamn far and this is the part of the journey get on the if you've not been on the bandwagon yet because you want to see well exactly how good he is dude nobody beat derek beats Derek brunson like that I even made a point in the media center I'll give uh, credit to um Casey, uh, the videographer from MMA Fighting, and it said, well, Whitaker stopped him in the first round, I believe. He's like, yeah, but he dropped Whitaker. I mean, he did nothing to Adesanya, nothing, absolutely nothing. Adesanya did, I won't say virtually everything he wanted to because he did have to defend some takedowns, but did that no problem, <laughs> no problem. Israel Adesanya is the real deal motherfucking field then there is no debate about it. He—that That is one of the best middleweights in the world. And he looks like, I, I can't say with any degree of certainty, but it looks to me like that dude's got UFC gold around his waist in his future, probably sooner rather than later. Um, he is amazing. He is amazing. You know what's amazing about him too when he fights? He is real good. Jacare had good trunk movement, right? So we're standing in front of each other and I'm rolling and you're missing, right? Right? He doesn't. What? Oh, Jared Cannonier's downstairs. Um, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't do that. Adesanya. He does a little bit of that. He'll lean back a little bit. Do you know what Adesanya does? He does a bit of a bull and matador thing, where the punch comes over and he'll duck and then change angle. So now the angles changed, and when the angles changed, yes, he has to reset. But you, the opponent, you've thrown and you've missed, and now you got to kind of come back around. He's much quicker at resetting in that position than you are. So now, you've missed the punch, the angle's reset, he's going to make a decision much more instinctually and much better than you are, much quicker than you are. And now he's going to light you on fire. Dude, I'm telling you, that guy, he needs to keep improving, of course, because eventually someone's going to get him down, and he'll have to show what he's got from there and all that kind of stuff, but Dude, Israel Adesanya is the fucking man. He is the man. And he's got every piece of the game on lock. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come around this often, folks. They don't come around this often, man. You know, I don't know if he's the heir to Conor McGregor because he doesn't do that kind of thing, you know, where he's out there and I don't know. He's very much his own man. But, like, you're asking about, like, after McGregor, you know, it was Rousey, was it was... Or it was And Jones is back too, but it was Jones and it was Rousey and it was McGregor because Rousey kind of blew up a little bit before McGregor did. Obviously, McGregor's had much more lasting contributions inside the combat sports space, but who's like, who's the next big one after that? That guy. That guy is the next big one after that. That guy is a demon, and he appears to be only growing more powerful by the day. So good luck fighting that guy because you're going to need it. Woo, you're going to need that shit. You're going to need luck and a whole lot more than that. That dude is on point. Man, amazing. Even I thought he might struggle a little bit. I thought he would win, but even I thought he would, nah. how's that Brunson fight going to go? I don't know. Like, Brunson's going to get his licks in. And Brunson's not a chump, man. Brunson's a very good fighter. You know, and fought very good fighters himself. The, the, I mean, is that the easiest fight that Adesanya's had in the octagon? think it is and that's crazy to say that's crazy to say so I take my hat off to that guy man get on board it's about to get very exciting with him uh all right couple other fights on the main car worth talking about here very quickly Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier is amazing dude Jared Cannoneer fought at heavyweight then light heavyweight then middleweight as everyone knows looks phenomenal Jared Cannonier is proof of a couple of things uh number one Yeah, he moved from Alaska to to Australia. He moved from Alaska to Arizona with his whole family to just get better as a fighter, and he has. Make sure the audio sounds okay. Yeah, and he has, Um, and more than importantly, like here is the lesson to take from him. If you can fight at a weight class that's most beneficial to you, and a lot of times that means moving up. In his case, it means moving down. That doesn't mean that weight cutting is all of a sudden good for you. It just means, look, you don't want to cut an unhealthy amount of weight, but if he even said the weight cut was easy, which means that was probably less cutting and more just diet. I'm going to share it off his hair. And more just diet. And he talked about his wife helping him with that. So if that's the most appropriate weight class physically for you, and he looked fast, he looked powerful, right? If you can maintain a lifestyle where you can work on your well rounded skills and you can find the best weight class, it's easy for you to make weight, easy for you to get in shape, not a big, you know, do a ton of road work to get down there and stay down there. And the phone rings and they say, Hey, we got an opportunity for you. Can you fill in on short notice? That in the UFC is one of your best opportunities. You know, just fighting your way up to the top, man, it can be done by the best ones, but um, it's hard and it's very, very difficult and it's long. Here's a great way to get ahead. Take a fight on short notice. Look at Anthony Smith. Short notice, Rashad Evans. Short notice, Shogun. Had to take the fight against Volkan in its regular term, but he had two of those. It was against, in the case of Shogun, he was ranked at the time. He just doop, 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 all the way up the ranks, and now he's knocking on the door of a title shot. Now, Cannoneer's got a lot more work to do at middleweight, but look at him now. It was branch-ranked. Heading into this. Let's see. Let me pull up my middleweight rankings here. Branch was ranked. Heading into this contest. Here, UFC.com slash rankings. Seven. Seven. Brunson was at six. I mean, he's borderline top five at this point. One fight, probably. He'll be somewhere in that top ten space in all likelihood. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the best way. It's the best way if you can do it. Now, if you have to do a ton of road work to get down there, you know, a ton of extra work just to lose the weight, that's not an option for you. You're going to have to fight your way all through all that shit. But I really respect Jared Kenner, um, you know, as a, as a competitor, and it's a big lesson in modern MMA. If you can find the right weight class, and you can live at that weight class, and you've got well-rounded skills, that phone is going to ring. And when it does, an opportunity knocks. That is how you skip the line. Um, or you could just be Israel Adesanya, but there's not many people who are like Israel Adesanya, right? And then a nice win um, to Carl Robertson defeating Jack Marshman. 30-26, 30-26, 30-27. He had nothing. Jack Marshman had nothing for Carl Robertson. Athletic. Um, you know, there was a bit of some finishing issues maybe with Roberson, but Robertson, whatever. But he's working on it. By the way, quickly on the Times – uh, Jacques Ray defeating Weidman at 2.46 of round three. Cannonier defeating Branch at 39 seconds of round two. That was weird, too. Branch had the arm, let it go, and then blocked on the wrong side so the punch. Hit him here. Interesting. Carl Robertson defeating Jack Marshman, as I mentioned, 30.26, 30.26, 30.27. And then Israel Adesanya defeating Derek Brunson at 4.51 of the first round. Amazing. Amazing, that guy. Uh, as I mentioned before, please give the video a like. Subscribe below. Let's quickly go through the um, prelims very quickly. And let's see if you have any questions for me. Jordan Rinaldi defeating Jason Knight, 3027, 3025, 3026. Jason Knight is a talented competitor, but that's four losses in a row for him at featherweight. If you look at the guys he's lost to, like a Ricardo Lamas and Jordan Rinaldi, even a Makwan Americani, these guys who have physical, aggressive styles, who are good in scrambles, who have like shut down contro- positional control, they're a big problem for him. He physically, I think, has a bit of a problem matching up with that. He's got a good rubber guard, and he's got good cardio. He had that one issue with the cardio, but he told me that was from medication he was taking for strep at the time, and it was the only time he's ever shown bad cardio. Most of the time, he was pretty good. It was just too much. These guys who can wrestle like that and have good positional control, he would get into his guard, shred it. Rinaldi would knee cut to the side, and then he would find his way to the back, and he had good control with um, the, uh, the body triangle. He could switch it side to side, even when... Uh, you could see Knight was able to get out of it a couple times. Um, he was able to hook out through, and then Ronaldo would just go back to the 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 chrome Gracie hip on hip, and then get back to it again. Like he he had just solid control, the over under grip, the seat belt. Like it's just it's just too, it's just too much. He had that one Kimura where um, he did not have it locked up to the side. Knight did of the body of Rinaldi and tried to step over the head to see if he could get it, but it was here. It wasn't over here, so Rinaldi just used it and bench pressed him over on a reversal. Did you guys see that? Pretty incredible. So um, it was just—it's just too much. It's just too much physicality. I don't know if he can go down another weight class. If that's even medically advisable, but as it stands, he's got problems with these guys who can do that. Sajari uh, Eubanks defeating Roxanne 30 thirty twenty seven across the board. Um, you know, looking pure BJJ, Eubanks is a lot better than Motiferi, But in MMA, it was much closer. I thought Motiferi had pretty good guard retention. I thought she had uh, good ability to um, defend attacks when uh, Eubanks was on her feet. I also thought, you you see what Eubanks did? She went for the one Kimura underneath, and you let the person pass to the side of the Kimura. And what you do is you then motorcycle grip with your hands, both hands, not just this one hand, but both hands. have to motorcycle grip over, and you actually whip around. You drive their hand uh, sort of down and away, and you whip around. And you can actually take the back or go to an arm bar. She got close on both. She couldn't quite get it, but that was nice to see, man. That's hard to pull off, and uh, she threatened with it. So Sajara Eubanks has good BJJ when she really wants to show it. Um, solid performance from Roxanne Motiferi, but Sajara Eubanks was up. I, I asked her. At the, she came down to the, the scrum, and I said, you know, it was a nice win, but, like, you think she's going to give you a title shot after missing weight? And she's like, I don't know. I just have to worry about the win. But I do think it's a relevant concern because you're clearly in championship can can." Uh, Contendership like space, but if you can't make weight, you know, what difference does it make? Um, so it's a bit of a problem for. Her. So we'll see how that goes. Shaman Morais defeating Julio Arce split 28-29, 29-28, 30-26. Um Jesus, that was a bloody fight. Here's the only thing I'll say about this: Moraes, I thought, was not showing enough of a second gear early. He did turn it on late, so I guess he was just getting warmed up. But he was having problems early underhooking. Um, Julio Arce was much better about uh, uh, controlling the distance, collapsing the pocket, getting in and firing underhooks. He was getting double underhooks a lot. And once the blood started flowing at the rate that it did, Marias had a much easier time getting underhooks. Here's my point. I don't know. I have to talk to like you know, a bunch of other people, but I have a working theory that like, the cuts were not in a place that were impacting vision, so you didn't want to stop it in that regard. And apparently, the ringside physicians don't really worry about the amount of blood someone might lose ordinarily, even in a bad situation like this, as like a means of, you know, is this a a relevant medical concern that we have about this person? However, I would argue tactically it changes things because it's a lubricant. I mean, imagine if like we just randomly selected one out of a hundred fights somewhere in the middle of the second round. We just squirted them with KY jelly or some shit. (laughs) Astroglide and then ask them to start underhooking. It would be a lot easier for the guy who was not good at underhooking or not winning the underhooking battle to then start winning it. Now, Shimon is a good underhooker, but Julio Arce was on top of him like that, and that makes a big difference in these inside battles for 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 control. Right? Um, it's a lubricant. You're introducing a lubricant to a fight that ordinarily you wouldn't. You could say, well, what about sweat? I mean, there's no way to control for that. Right, That's an inevitable consequence of what you're going to get. But if you're adding another one on top of that, it makes a big, big difference. How many times have you guys seen people get even slip, 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 uh, slipperier, even more slippery when they introduce blood into a fight, when someone gets a really bad cut like that? You see it all the time, all the time. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but I kind of wonder. It's like weird. It's like I mean, there's no other scenario where we would ever allow another lubricant to be added to a fight in the middle of it. You could say, well, that's just the result of having a blood in there. Okay, then maybe that's the choice we make. But I at least want everyone to acknowledge that doing that changes the fight a little bit. So keep that in mind. Um, nice win by Shaman Moraes. Shaman Moraes, by the way, is really, is really good fighters. I think his only losses were what? It's to beat Mega Man at and Marlon Moraes. So he's a good fighter, man. He's a good fighter, by the way. He's one to keep your eye on. I uh, just I thought a little bit of a slow start in this one. A little bit of a slow start in this one. I think he could have picked it up a little bit more after that. By the way, they are also calling this like, oh, the bloodiest fight in UFC history. I don't think this is even as close to Jay Huron versus uh, Jonathan Goulet. Check that fight out. Even Eves Edwards. Who was it? Eves Edwards. Was it Joe Stevenson? That was a bad one. Cain Velasquez. Fight against Bigfoot was a bad one. Um, There's been a bunch of bad ones. The Joe Stevenson versus... B.J. Penn was a, was a real bad one. But Jonathan Goulet versus um, Jay Huron, I, that, I'm pretty sure that's far and away the worst. So check those out on Fight Pass if you haven't seen them before. Lyman, good defeating Ben Saunders, 132 of round one. Um, what do you want to say, man? Um, ben Saunders taking taken a lot of damage in his career. You know, he's been leading long in the tooth, man. That's an old war horse right there. Uh, and Lyman good, you know, his, his issues with USADA, ironed him out. He, I take my hat off to Lyman good, put his money where his mouth is. He is suing the supplement manufacturer who dicked him over and, uh, you know, cause it's so poorly regulated by the federal, um, uh, drug administration. So he takes the supplement pops for something, is able to prove it. And then he went back and sued the manufacturer. Good, good for him. Hope he gets paid. Probably won't probably a bit of a losing cause, but put these fuckers out of business. hundred percent in favor of that. Uh, and a nice win at welterweight for him. But uh, big sort of question about Ben Saunders taking this on late notice or relatively short notice. Remember, he just lost to um, – um, who's the happy jiu-jitsu guy? My, my, my face is uh, – or my brain can't work right at this late hour. Well, let me pull this up. Um, Sergio Moraes. Sergio Moraes. Um, and how long ago was that, man? That was September late September too, so it's a bit of a rough run for him. Uh, I'd like to see him get some rest at the bare minimum. Preliminary card uh, on Fight Pass, Matt Favola taking on Lando Venata. I thought a majority draw was the right call. What an incredible contest between these two. Um, Lando Venata uh, was having trouble. He was getting countered on his kicks constantly, but he eventually found a number of pretty, pretty shots to fire through. The chin on Favola was pretty incredible. I kind of would have leaned towards Lando personally, but Frivola st- stood in there and fought back. Amazing win. Or amazing uh, performance, rather. Shane Burgos defeating Kurt Holobov or your armbar. So he gets dropped. Because Burgos kind of has his hands low on purpose. But he gets dropped and then gets on there. And go look at that armbar. What was so good about the armbar? The leg that went over the face by Burgos. He got those hamstrings in there. And watch the head. Of Holaboy. It went er, when the hamstrings cranked into him, right? They went hard into him. And they went going er, over. And then he tried to do what's called like a 69 guard where you kind of step over. Couldn't do it. Arm just got pushed out. Nice, nice win by Shane Burgos. Obviously, you don't want to get dropped, but there you go. And then Marcos Hedrigo de Lima defeating Adam Wezoric. Uh 30-27 across the board. All right, let's see if we got uh see if we got any. What Hold on. gonna call it. Do we have any? Do, 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 do. Yeah, maybe not. Alright, well if there's no questions on the super chat, I'm not sure what else to say at this point. Oh by the way, did you notice? Adasanya did like the walking in on his hands and then like did the motion where he peed on the octagon. And then, um, <laughs> who was it? Um, Canonier went in, pretended like he sniffed it, and then did it. Uh, so the guys who did that were 2 0 tonight. Let's see what kind of messages I'm getting here. Uh, oh, Dana White saying we have an opponent in mind for Israel Asanya It's not Luke Rockhold. Interesting. Thought that would have been a nice one, but uh, what are you going to do? All right, let's see here. Deed, 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 deed. One second. And by the way, of course, like the video and subscribe on the channel, Live Control Room. This ought to help me. Sorry, I was in the wrong place, physically speaking. All right, this will help me. Let's see. Yeah, all right. Someone says Romero would eat Adesanya alive. Yeah, if he could make weight, maybe. We'll see. Um, okay, let's do this. I appreciate you guys watching. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to check out this post-fight presser with uh, Adesanya and Dana White and everybody else. Thank you guys for tuning in, like the video, um, subscribe to the channel, and stay tuned for the MMA Hour on Monday, trying to figure out which guests are going to be on, but I know uh, Gustafson's going to be there, that should be fun, maybe Adesanya, maybe some other ones, we'll see how that goes, and uh, thanks to everyone who's been watching this YouTube channel this month, man, we blew up this month, obviously, you know, shouts to Conor McGregor and everybody else for making that possible, Habib as well. But thanks to you guys for making this possible, man. Really, really appreciate it. I'm back on the grind with YouTube. Took about a month or two off, but I'm back, man. And I'm really liking how this is going. And Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Yes, I will put this out uh, on SoundCloud and in all the other spaces so you can listen to the audio if you didn't get a chance. Um, You guys are the best. I really appreciate it. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Get some rest. Until next time, peace.